Hey, welcome back to 2 Corinthians. We're excited about the things the Lord is teaching us here. We're gonna get in a verse tonight that is gonna be just one verse from 2 Corinthians chapter five, but it's gonna take us all over the Bible. So you need to put on your seatbelt. Uh, take care of your Bible, if you will, find 2 Corinthians chapter five, and that one verse we're gonna focus on is verse 10. 2 Corinthians five and verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Well, now you see as I read that, there's so much more to it than just what's crammed into those that one little sentence. Let's pray together. Father, open our minds and our hearts to receive what you have for us tonight from your word. We're looking through a glass darkly. We're looking into a time that is yet to come, but a time that will come and a time that we all need to be prepared for. Let it be so. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, as we journey into this uh, passage, we're actually moving into uh, something having to do with the end times, having to do with what's going to happen as God brings uh, the world as we know it now towards a conclusion. If you look at this kind of step by step, what all has happened, uh, what we're reading about here is something that's going on in heaven while the, the earth is going through a time of great tribulation. There are two major things that happen in heaven while the earth is going through the tribulation, and that is the judgment seat of Christ and the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're gonna be looking at the first of those here this evening. But I want you to look at two other passages of scripture because the three of these together uh, give us a broader picture of what we wanna talk about here tonight. Uh, the second one is, is from 1 Corinthians 3, beginning with verse 10. 1 Corinthians 3, beginning with verse 10. Then the word of God says, according to the grace of God, which was given to me, a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, or straw, each one's work will become clear, or your Bible may say manifest. For the day will declare it, what day? This day that we're talking about, the judgment seat of Christ. Because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. And if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as by fire. Now add to these two passages, a passage from Romans chapter 14, beginning with verse 10. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Hmm. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, 
we need you to guide us through this understanding, not so much so we'll have head knowledge, but it'll change our heart and it'll change the way we live every day. This we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Each of these three passages speak about the same event, and there are other passages that speak of this time as well. Uh, but these are the three most prominent ones. And because we come to this one verse in 2 Corinthians 5.10, it behooves us to put these others together and look at this as a single topic in the midst of what Paul is writing to the church here at this time. I have to be honest with you, as I come to think about the judgment seat of Christ, I do that with a mixture of great joy and a bit of dread. And I think both is necessary to understand the potency of this time that we're gonna stand before the Lord. Let's learn about it here tonight. And you'll understand that even as your pastor, uh, I approach this with this two different feelings at the same time. During this time, we're gonna receive the fruits of our journey. We're gonna receive the rewards for the things we've done here in the body. But we're also gonna find that some of the things that we've done, maybe in the name of Christ and maybe in the name of goodness or whatever the case may be, is not gonna stand the test. We need to look at why and how. So, three major points I want us to look at, and this is gonna really, really springboard off of the 1 Corinthians chapter three passage, but it has to do with all three. The first point is, it will be a day of intimate discoveries a day of intimate discoveries. Paul describes the Christian life as a building. And he has laid a foundation, and it is our responsibility how we build on top of that foundation with our lives. Now the foundation he has laid is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. So the question is, once we come here to faith in Jesus Christ, how are we going to build a life on top of that? How are we going to uh, live out what Christ has worked in to our lives. What's gonna happen here as we stand? Well, first of all, let me say that this judgment seat is only for believers. No non-believers will be there. This is just a gathering of the saints, a gathering of the believers. It's a very critical time, but there are no believers there, and we'll see why as we go on. First of all, we will discover that, uh, we'll find that our methods are discovered our methods for building. It says how we have built on this foundation will be put under the microscope of the Lord Jesus Christ. When the Lord saved my soul, he placed me on the foundation of Jesus Christ, and every moment since then, I have been building on that foundation. And what I have done with my, my years, what I have done with my opportunities, whether I've used them for his glory or squandered them, all of those things are gonna be brought into the light of day at the judgment seat of Christ. Now, what is just judgment seat? I need to give you a little background to where you can uh, get a sense of what we're talking about. Every community had what was known as a bema, a judgment seat, and it was usually in the center of town. It was usually a raised platform. And what happened from that bema, that 
that judgment seat. Announcements would be made that would impact all of the people in the town. Judgments would be made. Uh, judgments would be passed when things have been done wrong. But also great commendations would happen there. Uh, in the Greek games, when the, uh, the final awards were given, they were given from the Bema seat or the judgment seat. So as Paul was talking about this, this is a very common uh, concept that he was talking to. So with that in mind, there are two issues that will not be dealt with at the Bema at the judgment seat of Christ. First of all, our salvation will not be dealt with at the judgment seat of Christ. Why? That's already been dealt with. When you and I come to faith in Jesus Christ, uh, our eternal salvation is secured for us from that moment on. When you and I are saved, we're saved for all time and eternity. So the question of our salvation is not dealt with there. If we're there, it's because we're saved. <laughs> if we're not saved, we won't be there, we'll be somewhere else. Talk about that at another time. The second thing that will not be dealt with at the judgment seat of Christ is our sin. Again, our sin has already been dealt with at the cross. Jesus became sin for us that we might become the very righteousness of God. So at, at, at the judgment seat, these two things will not be dealt with. Your salvation is already secured. Your sins are already forgiven. So those things are already clear. All right? Now, with that in mind, what, what we have at the judgment seat is what we have done with the opportunities we've been given. One of the phrases that's often used of believers in the Bible is the phrase a steward. A steward is someone who manages something that belongs to someone else. And the Bible talks about us as being stewards of, of the gifts and uh, opportunities and abilities that God has given us. Uh, our life now is His life. We live in His life. We are dead to an old way of life. We've been raised to walk in newness of life. So as a good steward, how are we using the gifts He's given us, the opportunities that He's given us, the blood that He shed for us? How are we using that for kingdom purposes? And without exception, he's given even each and every one of us 24 hours out of every day. He's given us money. He's given us gifts. He's given us opportunities. So what happens at the judgment seat is these are looked at. These are looked at at that time. 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each one of us have received gifts, so minister them to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And also in 1 Corinthians 4, it says, moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. So let me be real clear. Our sins will not be dealt with. Our sinful nature has already been determined at the cross of Christ. Our salvation has already been secured for us as well. So that's the first thing we need to know. So the second thing it deals with is uh, the materials uh, out of which we have used. Our materials will be discovered. Are they worthy or worthless materials? He said there are some materials that are gold, silver, and precious stones. These are precious, valuable, beautiful, hard to come by, and what they have in common is this. They are not adversely affected by fire. If anything, they are refined and made all the more pure and all the more valuable by fire. So the materials we use, he said there are some that are worthy materials that we use. Uh, 
And he likens them to these very worthy and valuable things in our life. But he said there are other materials we may use that are worthless. He refers to them as wood, hay, and straw, or wood, hay, and stubble. And these are, are temporary, they're cheap, they're ugly, they're easy to come by. And he talks about things that we do in our own will or in our own power and not things that are done genuinely for the Lord and in His power. How do you know whether we're building with worthy materials or worthless materials? Well, it's kind of hard to say, but the scripture does talk about uh, some things that are, are very clear how we can see the difference. Now you're gonna to have to refer to some notes that are on the website to get the references. I won't take time to go into these, but how we treat others is very clearly defined, whether this is worthy or worthless. Uh, how we exercise the authority that we have over other, other people. Do we do that in a worthy manner or in a worthless manner? How we use our God-given abilities, how we use our money, how we use our time, how we suffer. You know, we're called on to suffer well and sometimes we suffer ill. How we've run the race that God has given to us. How we have uh, controlled the old nature that we have. How many souls have we impacted by sharing our story and sharing the gospel with. How we've reacted to temptation. Whether or not we love the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and long for it. These are things in the Bible that are clearly delineated as you can see the difference between that which is worthy and that which is worthless. So we've looked at how our methods will be discovered, our materials will be discovered, and now how our ministry will be discovered. It says all of our works, all of the things we've done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, all of the, th the, the ministries that we've been a part of or engaged in, that all of these will be put through the fire. Now the fire, what it does, it manifests, it's, it, it puts out for all the world to see what's behind those ministries. And more than anything else, let me just say the motives by which they were performed. It says it would be manifest, and another word, phrase for that is to make public knowledge. To make public knowledge. There are, are some things that we have done that are self-serving motives. It may be done for someone else, but it's really, it's really serving our own particular purpose. Uh, other, other things that we're, we're talking about are, are things that uh, we've done so the world will think highly of us. So it, it just all comes back to us. And this motivation will be revealed in that day. And things we have done genuinely selflessly, genuinely sacrificially, genuinely done so that other people, we can minister to them and we can genuinely show Christ to them. This will be manifested as well. And so what happens here is the truth will be known as to our genuine ministry and whether it's been for our own benefit or others. You know, there's an awful lot of ministries that's made the news over the years. And we found that those ministries might have masqueraded being for other people, but they were really about those who were performing the ministries. Maybe it was uh, for, for their own financial gain, or maybe it was for power, or maybe prestige, or whatever the case may be. These have been manifested, made public knowledge, in our world today. But all of our ministries will be revealed in the day that is to come. So we find here that our methods, materials, and ministries will be clearly discovered and exposed. So 
It'll be a time of intimate discoveries. The second thing, it'll be a day of intense delights. The things I've been talking about, eh, maybe make us squirm just a little bit. Uh, not exactly the most thrilling thing we've, we've heard. But this is also going to be a day of incredible joy and incredible delight. Literally, for many, it will be the crowning achievement of their lives as they finally see and the world sees what was really going on. I think a lot about our, our missionaries at a time like this, that they may not see many uh, visible results, but they have poured in their lives, poured and poured into people for the cause of Christ, sharing their story, sharing the gospel, ministering in very practical ways to point people to Christ. And sometimes they would go years or even decades without seeing a convert to the Lord Jesus. But the amazing thing is in this day, it'll be revealed. It will be revealed. First of all, the, there's a potential that's mentioned here. A potential here. It's the potential that some part of our work will remain. <laughs> some part of our work, even if we haven't done it totally sacrificially, totally selflessly, maybe we have kind of gotten something out of it ourselves or whatever, but some par portion of that is going to abide and remain. We have a promise that is mentioned here as well. There, uh, there's our, those are the things that remain, which is the basis for our rewards. It's interesting as you go through the scripture, there are a lot of times rewards are mentioned and several times they're mentioned as crowns. Crowns were, were important in these times primarily because of the Greek games. In the Greek games when you competed and you won, you got your first place, you received the victor's crown. It was a laurel wreath. It was woven together, put on the head, everybody paid attention to you. Those leaves dried up in no time. <laughs> It was very temporary, but people would give given years and years in training to receive that temporary crown. The scripture talks of five very distinct crowns that are available for believers. That, that is the, the, the promise that is mentioned for these. There's the incorruptible crown, and that incorruptible crown belongs to all of those who genuinely place their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's the crown of life, which is given to those who endure and overcome temptation. There's the crown of rejoicing, which is the soul winner's crown, those who have won people to faith in Christ. That's the crown they receive. There's the crown of righteousness that is given to all of those who love for and long and delight in and yearn for the Lord's coming. And then there's the crown of glory, which is set aside for faithful ministers of the gospel who have given so much of their lives for the flock of God and for bringing people into that flock. So these crowns are, are all put together. And, and it's not big, big events that we might happen to do. Sometimes it's very small acts of kindness. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in Mark 9, 41, for whoever gives you a cup of water to drink in my name because you belong to Christ, assuredly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. <clears throat> he will be honored. He, he will have the promise that he would be rewarded fulfilled in that day. So there's a potential mention, there's a promise mentioned, and these are some of the intense delights. So we've looked at intimate discoveries, intense delights, and finally, immense disappointments. 
Boy, real downer here, Fred. Well, stay with me. We got to talk reality here. A price is mentioned. A price is mentioned right here. And a pain is mentioned. Let me deal with the pain first. While some of our works are going to remain, others are going to be destroyed. And we'll have to watch some of those things that we have built on our lives that really haven't been built on godly motives, that really have not been built out of the, the best materials or the best methods. We're going to have to watch them burn up. And we're going to have to say, you know what? I wasted that time because I did it with the wrong motives. I did it out of the wrong materials. There's a pain that is mentioned. And there is a price that is mentioned right here too. It says, he shall suffer loss. Now that doesn't mean that we'll lose our salvation. Remember, that's not being spoken of here. Our salvation is already secure. At the judgment seat, we can't lose our salvation. No, this is about rewards. But a lot of those things we might have been working for, we might not get everything we've been working for because we've done it in the wrong motives. Or we've done it to glorify ourselves. We've done it because we want power, or prestige, or position over other people. You see, this is more about the why than it is about the what. And the why is what's going to be exposed, manifest for all the world to see. The master rewards the servants, and the servants then turn around and give the master back those rewards. If you receive one of those great crowns, what are you going to do with it? Walk around heaven and stretch your stuff? No, 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 no. Because it's not about pride. It's not about drawing attention to us. The scripture tells us in Revelations how these crowns are taken and then cast at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 10.31, Therefore, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And then we can be among those like the 24 elders who sits on the throne and worship him and cast their crowns at his feet saying, You are worthy, Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you have created all things and by your will they exist. What a day <laughs> that's going to be. And there's a promise here mentioned as well that I'll sum up with. And it's the promise that the believer may see some of his works burn up, but he himself will be saved. He himself will be saved. The issue here is not our salvation. That's already secure. Now, some might take this and say, well, you know, I'm saved. I don't have to build on anything. I don't have to, I don't have to do anything with my life. I don't have to be obedient. I don't have to be a good steward or whatever. I know I'm going to be saved and that can't be changed. Listen, if you're genuinely a child of God, you'll never make that statement. You'll never have that question because it goes so counter to the Spirit of God living within you. That's not an option, not in the least. I mean, I thank God that I am saved forever. I thank Him that nothing will ever change that. I think that I am kept in His hand by the power of God until salvation ready to be revealed at the last day. But I dare not presume on the grace of God and build nothing on this foundation of Jesus Christ that I've been given. How could I even fathom something like that? So, as we sum up right here, 
Paul is saying our Christian life is very much like a building, has a firm foundation, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to build our lives on top of that and how we build our lives, the materials we use to build our lives, the motive we use in the building of our lives, these are the things that come into play at the judgment seat of Christ. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27, Jesus says this, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken to him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds beat against that house and it did not fall for it was founded on a rock. But everyone who hears these things of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. So this is a call for us to look very carefully at our lives. First of all, have we come to faith in Jesus Christ? Is our, He our Lord and Savior? Have we surrendered our lives to Him? Have we submitted ourselves to Him? Do we come before Him daily saying, not my will, O Lord, but yours be done? And if that's the case, we're building on the firm foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what are we building? Lives that honor Him or lives that honor ourselves? Are we building for things that will just last a little while here on planet Earth? Or are we building for things that are going to last for all eternity? What are materials are we using? Are they things that will endure the test of time? Are we building our own dynasty? Or are we building the kingdom of God? These are questions we need to think about now because when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, the truth is going to be revealed. And it may even shock some of us. It may even shock some of us because maybe we're, we're refusing to admit or recognize our less than honorable motivations. Or that maybe it's more selfish desire. Or maybe isn't it meeting a need for position or power or prestige? We have to ask ourselves those questions. And now is the time to do that. So Paul writing to the Corinthians here, he's saying, now is the time to examine your lives. Because we can always make a mid-course direction. We can always say, you know what? This is wood, hay, and stubble. Need to do away with this need to tear back down to the foundation of Jesus Christ and be sure I'm building with His materials, with His motivation for His glory. What a day that's going to be. And now, there's much more wonders to come. We've taken a little snapshot of one little thing that happens in this whole period of time in our end time study. We haven't touched the glories of the new heaven and the new earth. We haven't gone there yet. But this is a moment we need to think about when we come to one portion of Scripture that calls our attention to it. So don't get fixated here, but don't ignore this point either. And then we'll be where we need to be. Will you pray with me now? Father God, how foolish it would be of us to not stop and ask you, Lord, are you satisfied with what I'm building? Are you satisfied with my attitude? Are you satisfied with my actions? Am I building with worthy materials? Things that will really last 
Or am I building out of worldly materials? Am I doing things because this is the expedient way? Uh, the, the, this, this works. Or am I doing this because this is what your word tells me to do? A am I fashioning my attitudes, my belief system, my ethics, my morality upon your word or upon what my gut says or what my friends feel or believe? Father, give us, give us the courage to ask ourselves and to ask you the tough questions. Because right now you can lead us to answers that will glorify you and things that will last. We all want to hear that well done from you. But to hear that, we need to ask these questions today. Thank you for loving us so much, like a great loving father who will ask your sons and daughters the tough questions as we're building through our life. And it's out of your love that you want us to use good materials, that you want us to build worthy lives that honor you and glorify you. So Father, we hear you tonight. We're listening carefully. Mold us into the men and women of faith you want us to be. In Christ's name, amen. God bless you tonight.